Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast, where we're discussing the two greatest generational gifts, raising a family and leaving a legacy. If you would, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast with others so we can help educate more people. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. I am so excited for today's guest. I want to welcome you first to Mastering Money for Moms podcast. We are rebranding because I have a heart for moms. And I am so excited to introduce you to Mandy McAllister. I met her early on when I signed up for this multifamily mentoring program. And she and I just connected immediately. We were the best of buds and we tried so hard to get a deal done here in Kansas City. We never made it happen, but we're sisters in our hearts so and she's doing amazing things so sit back everybody because mandy McAllister is an investor ninja she is a huge connector she spent the bulk of her time and career in medical device sales chasing cases and commission checks in 2021 mandy left her w-2 to lean on the financial independence she built through real estate investing she now is the CEO of Go Abundance, ladies. I mean, this is a tribe of wealthy, healthy, generous women who are choosing to live epic lives. And who doesn't want an epic life? You've only got one life to live. You might as well live it to an extreme, right? Um, so Mandy is now using her real estate experience um, to reposition underperforming assets to increase cash flow and value. You have over 373 doors in B-class workforce housing, um, and you are proud to be mama to your six-year-old Duncan, who is also coincidentally wants to be a real estate investor when he grows up. Hmm, wonder how that happened. <laughs> so thanks for coming on and welcome. My pleasure, Jen. I, this is so kismet. I, I just, I feel like we grew up together in this. And I still refer to you, like, even though we never did a deal, we underwrote so dang many. And I had so many visits to come see property with you that I still call you my Kansas City business partner, even though we haven't done a deal. <laughs> this is so true, though. Truly. I mean, we learned underwriting together, which is such a basic necessity when you're in this business and you need somebody that you can rely on. And you and I just, man, um, we, we should have got several deal, deals done. It just wasn't our timing. And, and things happen for a reason. And you and I, thankfully, have the same mindset. And we recognize that. And we know that one day it'll happen. But it'll 100%. be in its time. Right. Exactly. And at, at some point in time, we will do a deal to, together. I'm putting that into the universe. Yes, I totally agree with that. So let's talk more about why you transitioned from such a lucrative career like pharmaceutical sales over to real estate like well first of all were you introduced to real estate how did you even find real estate so i actually came across the idea of must be real estate investor when i was 19 years old in college i was at a party on the patio of some house that a friend lived in and she was explaining that her dad bought the house and that she rented out the rooms to our friends and i said and you get to keep that money. That's the best idea I've ever heard, right? So that's where the seed was planted when I was 19. And then, you know, a bunch of 
analysis paralysis, a bunch of like learning and, you know, just not being around people who made it seem like a logical thing to do investing in real estate. Because, you know, some people will, will try to pull you back from something that you want to do simply because they don't understand it or they don't see the path to success. So getting around people like you uh, in my middle 30s, late 30s is really what catapulted me and things went quickly once I finally started. So from 19 to about 35-ish, I uh, just learned and then I started, you know, putting my learning into action. And within five, six years, I was able to create enough cash flow that I didn't need that W-2. And I, I think that when you're talking freedom, uh, financial freedom, that means a thousand different things. But the most impactful freedom that I ever felt was I had just won a president's club. So my number went bananas. So anybody who has had a sales job before or knows some salespeople, like, you know, that that number resets in such a way that it becomes almost unattainable. Like that's such a common refrain. And so I wasn't meeting that new goal. And my boss was explaining, just go, just go look into patient information before you're allowed to. And I'm like, that's too close to illegal for me to be interested in. But because I had like $3,000 of cash flow coming in at the time, which you can't like build an entire, like, I don't know, the, in the suburbs of Chicago, you can't build an entire life with a family off of $3,000 a month of cash flow. But I knew that like, as a brand new single mom, I wasn't going to like, I was going to be able to pay my mortgage and I was going to be able to feed my son. So I was able to push back and say, no, man, I'm not going to do this thing that's outside of my moral compass. And, and, you know, anyway, so really going after the things that matter for you uh, can be gleaned if you have the freedom of, of knowing money figured out. So, you know, that is why I ended up choosing to leave medical device sales largely. That was my, my largest catalyst of why to leave. You know, you talked about the obstacle is one of the biggest pieces there. And I can tell you that one of the things I've struggled with is I've had women come to me and say, I want to do what you're doing, but my husband won't let me. And I think to myself, my husband won't let me. A, they're uneducated. Right. You know, so for the husband you, is. Right. He's yeah. uneducated on that whole fact and to come to a woman and ask for advice is probably a little demeaning and a little just i mean in, in a normal like a gender role ego type thing i right. agree you know right but it's if if i feel like if both sides fully understand the power and the you know late night infomercials are like on invest in real estate and you'll get rich quick, right? Like I like I get why people think a lot of things like this are scams. And shoot, man, two years ago, a dude stole $110,000 from me. So there are scammers out there. So if one party is not fully educated on, you know, what makes a good deal a good deal, then I understand the fear behind it. The I don't want to let you because I'm trying to protect you from scammers. However, if you fully understand what a good deal looks like and the safety that real estate offers, you know, shoot, you don't in your life have to own a stock of uh, a share of stock to live your life. You don't have to own a Bitcoin to continue to exist. You do 
have to have a place to live, to live your life, right? So it's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing. So there is nothing more necessary to life than, you know, real estate. So if I'm going to invest in something that has to exist, then it, it is really one of the most safest or the most safest asset, asset class, in my opinion. Well said. I don't even know how to even, you know, expand upon that even more. But, you know, it's, it's always bothered me that women feel like they can't take the reins, which is why we're rebranding over to Mastering Money for Moms, because I think that if, and some gentlemen, I asked a guy recently on one of my podcasts, how would he feel about his wife approaching him to do real estate? And he said, well, it's no different than me coming to my wife and saying, I want to do real estate. If, if I say, hey, I want to buy this shiny new car, of course she's going to say no. But if you come to it from a standpoint of, hey, I'm trying to accomplish X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. and approach it from a, you know, hey, I want to get our freedom back in life. I want to be able to help you raise the family, the kids. You know, that changes the perspective and the tone of the conversation completely. And so um, I know that you are such a proud mom and that you are a single mom doing this independently. And I can't imagine what it was like to go from having this lucrative career to all of a sudden, now you're in real estate. Now I know that you are very, you put a lot of thought and effort and energy into making sure everything was lined up. So when you made that transition, it was as smooth as you could possibly, you know, conceive. So talk about, because there's a lot of people out there that think, oh, I'm just gonna get into multifamily and in two years I can quit my full-time job. And you and I both know it's more difficult than that. So mm -hmm. share, share with our audience what you did to kind of build a roadmap to help you get to here and where you're at today. Oh my God, I love this so much because so many podcasts like are the, I used to be poor and now I'm rich. Like we right. don't really get dig into the, all right, tell me about the decision points. Tell me about the actual like big life changes that happened to help get from point A to point Z, right? So thank you for the chance. Uh, thank you from your listeners, the chance to dive into those actionable type things. So uh, what I realized, you know, coming up through a, a mentoring program in multifamily, the vast majority of people were syndicators and, uh, you know, not having the safety net or, uh, of another, of a spouse's income. Like, I, you know, I was talking with uh, a, a guy that we both know, like, how do you know when you can leave your W-2? Like we both had pretty lucrative W-2s. Like, how will you know? And he's like, oh, I'm going to have this acquisition fee and that disposition fee. And then I'm, you know, I just have to do four deals a year. And then I'm going to be able to leave my W-2. And I thought, oh my God, I don't have a safety net. How, what if I don't find four deals worth doing? Like, how am I, am I, am I going to do deals that suck because I have to feed my kid? Like, I don't even know. Like, am I going to, that made me, that gave me such anxiety, right? So in that moment, I made the decision that, hey, this is a math problem. I know how much cash flow I have coming in. I can like look at how much money it costs me to live my life, uh, get cash flow to that plus some buffer, and then bet on myself. So a couple of things there. One, I, I made a little calculator. I'll, I'll give you the, the link to put it in your notes that helped me kind of sort through uh, what I would need to see in terms of cash flow to leave my W-2. And once I saw that, 
I was able to, you know, with confidence leave my W-2, but I started to look at it like it's just a one-year experiment, right? That if, if rather than it being this totally final life decision that nothing like this is it, you are done, right? Like, no, like I, I can go find another sales job in 10 minutes if I wanted to, because I've, I'm, I'm confident in the track record I built in medical device. I can make a few phone calls and find something. So what I chose to look at it as uh, for 12 months, I'm going to do this experiment of entrepreneurship. And if in 12 months, it's not going the way I want it to, then I reconsider and I find another W-2, right? Well, we got to 12 months. I reconsidered. I like the way it's going. So, you know, what I would tell you is put the plan into place. Know what number you're shooting for in terms of cash flow if you choose this as your path. Like I, I, you know, we did a debate last night on investor of to syndicate or not to syndicate. I tend not to syndicate because I like building for my own long-term stuff, but there is great rewards in, in syndicating and being a passive investor. Whatever your approach is, understand like what wall you're putting your ladder against before you start climbing. So understand where you want to go before you get started. That is brilliant. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you. It's been frustrating getting, you know, because I was in single family and I was flipping properties and that's no different than being a pharmaceutical rep. It's a W-2 job, right? Um, you're only as good as your last flip, right? Your own, your last commission. So I was constantly having to find another house to flip to create that income. Now, for me, I was putting our kids through college. And it became a really easy way for us to do so debt free. But again, now that the market's taken a little bit of a turn, you know, again, you, it always goes back to being educated. Yeah. You have to know where you're at in every single market cycle. You have to know you have a pivot point that if things get bad, hey, you can go right back into the job, job market if you decide to. And so for us, we, you know, I transitioned over into multifamily. But I also have a spouse that does have a W-2 that does make the income. So I don't feel strapped to have to do a deal just exactly. to do a deal. Yep. So it does, like you mentioned, I get nervous when I see operators that don't have another source of income at all. Mm -hmm. And they have to do deals just to do deals. That makes me nervous. So sell it on them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's going to be very interesting in the next couple of years to see the, the evolution of things, because the approach that you take and the approach that I take, I think is, is risk mitigated. But if you're, if you're in the world, must do four deals to feed my family, that is a scary place to be. It is a very scary place to be. I agree with you. And thankfully, you know, my husband and I have been able to, he likes to invest in single family homes to get that cash flow every single month so we kept our single family homes even though i pivoted over to multifamily. Mm -hmm. so we're at a place now he could quit his job and we've replaced his income every month awesome. now it gives us a little more flexibility with him staying in his job mm -hmm. and you know so it's it's nice that we have that balance so to, to put like the, the way that I couch all of that in my brain, because I, I have to like keep things in silos to make things make sense. The thing that I run after is what I call my forever money bucket. 
So these larger multifamily on this non-recourse agency debt, if you haven't heard of that, Google the Freddie Mac Small Balance Loan Program. It's non-recourse, so I'm not personally liable. It's incredible terms, so usually 30-year fixed, usually a super low rate. If I can buy stuff on that, then I'm going to own forever by myself or with just a few partners. That's my forever money bucket. That's my floor of income that I can depend on is coming in for forever, right? But if you're, if in order to invest in that, you need like a hundred thousand dollars at a time, you know, you run out of money pretty quick if you're trying to fill that bucket. So you have to do these things that are one-time money things. You only get paid once when you flip a house. You get, you know, on a syndication, you get these big fees once, you know, but you have to do these one-time money things in order to fill up the forever money bucket. So I think that a lot of approaches, you know, leave out one or the other, and you kind of need both to have like a, a generational wealth building engine, you know? Totally agree. I, I made a model similar to your spreadsheet just to calculate how much you need for financial freedom. I've done it on the net wealth building concept. How many deals do I have to invest in? And what's really beautiful about this model is in five years, I got a real capital deployment issue. I've got so much money coming back because these assets have sold that now I have to redeploy the income. And in about 10 years, I have a million dollar issue of capital. Good problem to have. It's a, it's a problem, but it's a good problem. See, this is where you need to, that's when you find the asset that you can do on your own for that forever money bucket, right? Yes. Like, so my approach is I'm just banding arms with a couple of other investors to do that from the beginning. But I think, you know, so long as like personally owned or, you know, look at the, the rich dad, poor dad idea of like you, you buy and hold something. And that's when real wealth happens. You can't be a seller. You got to just be a buyer. So it's, you're, you're, you're doing it on a, like a larger scale, just in a different order. So yeah. I think that's the beauty of this whole real estate game is that they're playing the game. There are so many different approaches that work. You just have to pick the one and run at it. Right. I agree. So, um, as we transition, to go abundance. Tell us more about that. And tell me how come you're so excited about this. I know that when I, you had told me you had just joined this program and you are a participant and now you're the CEO. Right. Tell, tell me about this. So uh, go abundance LLC has been around for many years. It's uh, they started as a group of men, a tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to leave lead epic lives. And uh, a few years later, they realized, oh, wait, we're not serving women. So I was able to join and just, you know, being next to other women who, you know, were having the same struggles, being an entrepreneur, you know, around your friends from your kids' school, like many, uh, many people don't think in the way that we think, right? So you feel lonely. You feel bananas that you're chasing a 53-unit apartment complex or whatever that is, right? So to be next to people doing the things that I'm doing, some on much higher levels, some very different things. Like there's a woman who has a company that's valued at $12 billion. Another, her company was picked up by Y Combinator, a startup incubator that started Uber. You know, like there are, there are women doing really freaking big things. Uh, bigger than I, my brain ever would open up to. So uh, that plus the, you know, 
I've been part of mentoring groups too. And when there's one person standing at the front of the room, you know, the, just the nature of things is they're a hammer and they teach you how to see nails, right? But when this is a no guru kind of uh, peer mentoring type thing, a lot more interesting ideas are born. For instance, I primarily do small multis. I buy like 10 to 50 units as my wheelhouse. And I made a bunch of friends who, you know, did it, were killing it in short-term rentals. Like they had houses, Jen, that they would buy for $100,000 that they would get 30 grand for a six-month stay. What? You know, so that type of, uh, like not taking advantage of that type of uh, a cash flow arbitrage. Like let's, let's marry these two ideas of a small multi plus that short-term rental cash flow arbitrage. Poof, we bought a motel, right? So um, I will say completely no BS. And I know that I'm in leadership now, but this, this is the thing that I said before I had the opportunity that I do, that this is singly the, the greatest catalyst to my entire entrepreneurial venture that I've, I've taken on because I've surrounded myself with people who were thinking bigger than me. So I could not be more proud to have the chance to make the little two millimeter shifts that are gonna make this even more magical. Oh my gosh. Well, I gotta come be a part. I gotta yeah. somehow join. I, I got a guy, I can, I can help with that. You know somebody, huh? <laughs> well, I'm sold on it. And I do believe that proximity is power. Absolutely. And who you're around, I, I know that every time I get on the phone with you, my mind is blown and I have new ideas that come just from our conversations because I'm not having those every day with people that are intentional with making a difference, right? And so it's, um, I'm glad to see you're thriving so much. Thank so you. I know you are a big advocate and um, of Tony Robbins. I love him. I love listening to all his stuff. Tell me if for our audience that's listening, what is the one thing they could do today that's really, you know, and take your GoBundance, take Tony Robbins, take all the mentorships and groups you've been part of. What is the one or two things that people could do today to really start to move the needle in their life, in their marriage, in their business? Oh, I love that. I, I, you can do everything. You just can't do everything all at once. So thing number one is pick which one thing you want to improve, right? Like just get laser focused on one thing. And I, I love, I love this. I, I do this with uh, the, the coaching stuff I do. And I, I learned it from a Tony Robbins thing. But if you look, I, I'm look around your room. Uh, I'm going to count to 10 quickly. Uh, look for things that are red. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10. Close your eyes. If how many things did you see that were blue? You don't freaking know because you were looking for red, right? So you have to turn on the part of your brain that is looking for the thing that you want. So if the thing is your marriage, right? Like what is the thing that I could do to make my partner feel more loved? If you know his love language or her love language, what is the thing that I could do today to make them feel loved and special? Because you get back what you put out. If the thing is your money, your if it happens to be real estate investing, like make the decisions of where you want to be. And it's like a, a GPS, right? Like if I want to go from Chicago to Kansas City, I'm going to punch into Google Maps, like how to get there. And it's not going to say like drive seven hours only. It's going to say drive 500 feet, turn left, right? 
just figure out what that next right step is to drive 500 feet and move left, uh, turn left on the thing that you're doing, that you're pursuing. So uh, start with the end in mind, but then next right step yourself there. I love that. That is so brilliant. And yes, I've done that exercise before and I can't tell you anything blue that I saw. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you look for, right? So Absolutely. you know, and I'll tell you, the, the small, I, I mentor women through invest real estate investor network on um, moving from single family investing to small multis because that's a pretty normal hop. Um, you know, the women who say, I'm going to buy a six unit brick building in this zip code of Omaha, Nebraska, they freaking find it. But the woman who's like, oh, I don't know, I just, maybe I'll go 50 units and partner, but maybe I'll just do a five unit. No, you're never going to find it because you don't freaking know what you're looking for. So get specific and you'll find what you're looking for. Oh my gosh, that's so, such great advice. I was a student of the Rich Dad program. And when they said, okay, it's time, go buy a house. I'm like going, like I've got all of Kansas City, right? And as soon as my mentor came in and said, hone in on a zip code. Oh my gosh, talk about making my life super simple. It was yeah. like, oh, I just have to look here. Oh, I can look here all day long with my magnifying glass, right? Exactly. And then it just takes one after another, you know, then you get the ball mo moving and pretty soon you're like, wow, that happened overnight, right? And there's a lot of social science data that decision fatigue is for real. Like there's, there was some study uh, where like they would sit out 20 different kinds of jelly at a farmer's market or something, or they would sit out three kinds of jelly. Well, if you had 20 kinds of jelly, they had way less sales than if you just had three kinds of jelly because the ability to make a decision is easier if you have fewer things to look at. Which is why my favorite recipe, you know, restaurants only have a few items. Yes. It makes my <laughs> life really, really easy. <laughs> Love it. Oh my goodness. Well, this has been such a pleasure and honor again, and I can't wait to have you back on. But before we wrap this up, is there a favorite book that you absolutely love that you think every every person needs to read it? You know, I am a pretty voracious, actually, listener because I'm dyslexic and I just listen to books. Uh, but my most recent absolute favorite I think everybody needs to read is The Psychology of Money. Uh, and what my favorite takeaway of that was, you know, we, especially perfect little girls who wait and raise their hands and we got straight A's and we're perfect, not, we're not brave, right? The, this idea of um, you just need to be reasonable enough in your uh, investing. If you, if you do, like, you're not going to be perfect, just be reasonable in whatever it is that you're doing. And that has kind of opened the door and taken some pressure off of me. Wow. I love that. I love that book. I read it too. So powerful. My largest takeaway was in your 50s, so many people have trained themselves that, hey, I want to retire at 50, when this can be the greatest wealth building chapter of your life, if you just don't stop, take all the knowledge and wisdom you've gained from the you know, preceding three decades, right, mm -hmm. and leverage those, and then just blow the lid off of your, your investment strategy. If that was your favorite takeaway, you've got to also read a book called Halftime which is basically like the, uh, when you get to the half point of your life or career or whatever, uh, then you get this chance to switch from just the survival or growth mode into impact mode. I really think you're gonna love that one. Okay, 
Okay. I am going to write that down. I am reading the book soundtrack right now. Oh, so good. Yes. It's what, you know, and for a lot of our listeners, they're probably newer, Mm -hmm. um, you know, getting started into real estate or making a transition into something that you're new at, it takes building a new muscle in your brain, right? And you need to listen to what are you saying to yourself? Are you telling yourself you can't? And one of my greatest things that you told me is I am good at hard things. I can do hard things. My kid says it every night to himself. Yes. I, when you told me what you were teaching dunk and I thought that is brilliant. I need to write that on my, I am affirmations. I am hard at, you know, I am good at hard things Mm -hmm. that allowed me on many cases in the most recent years Mm -hmm. to overcome some of this oh my gosh, can I really do this? Of course I can do this. People have went ahead of me and done this and they're still alive to talk about it. Why can't I? And they're not smarter than you. I think that, I mean, I feel like, okay, a couple of points just to wrap this idea up that if you are a newer person listening, Jennifer and I have been at this for Jen, like longer than a decade and me like six-ish, seven-ish years, right? So this is our step. 84. If you are on step one, please do not do yourself the disservice of of comparing your step one to our step 84. Step 84 will come, but you got to take the first step first, right? But but also, you know, you you gotta you gotta take that first step in order to get there. I love that. Just take the first step. Just take the first step. I I'll never forget, and I'll I'll leave our audience with this. (laughs) One of my favorite people next to you is somebody that was a platinum member with uh tony and he he went the very first time i met him he said jen i want you to look around this room and he said 85 percent of the people in this room have never done a deal and they've been here for five years don't don't be one of those do a deal get reasonable enough like it's never gonna be perfect like make a little bet. Like if, if figure out what, here's the thing. Like when I did this motel, like I knew the idea of short-term rental at scale was interesting to me. We paid $326,000 for 18 units. That's 18,000 a door. That is a little bet in my mind, right? So how could, if, if it doesn't, if it feels too big to buy a $200,000 house, what is a little bet that you could make just so that you're strengthening that muscle Jen started? talking about. So one thing at a time. Oh my gosh. We didn't even get to talk about your motel conversion. Oh, it's still a motel. It's, it's short-term rentals. It's uh, yeah, it's that's for a later episode. Okay. I will have you back on in six months or less. How about that? I, I will keep you to it. Okay. I love that. Love you. And I'm so thankful that you took the time to be here today. Um, I know you've blessed our audience and I just can't wait to have you back on. Thank you, sweet girl. Love you so much. (laughs) Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mastering Money for Moms podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and leave a rating or review because it helps support the growth of this podcast. Also, I'd be so grateful if you would please share our podcast on Instagram and tag me at Mastering Money for Moms to help us grow our community of mothers. We'll see you on the next episode of Mastering Money for Moms.